Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is AJ here, and I am so excited to introduce you guys to a new friend that I have. But before I introduce her, I want to remind everyone who this episode was curated for and why you should stick around. I think it's always important for you to know as you're listening what you're getting into and who this was really designed for. So today we're going to be talking about community and retention. So in other words, this is for you. It doesn't matter who you are. It does not matter if you have a coaching program or a speaking business or a membership or you are a professional services provider that has, you know, a, a book of business. Doesn't matter if you are a product company, you have clients, you have customers, and I bet you would like to keep them. I bet you would like them to stick around and buy more and not leave and go to your competitors. So when you think about community, uh, yeah, there's online communities, there's offline communities, but we all have a community. It's just, are we treating them like a community? So today is one of those rare episodes that it does not matter what you do, what industry you're in. I really believe this is for you, although we may talk about it more specifically in some areas over the course of the interview, but it's for you. So stick around. Now, let's introduce you to our awesome guest today, uh, Shanna Lynn. I am so excited to have you on the show today. And just for those of you uh, who don't know, you've got somebody who has over 10 years of retention and community expertise. She's a podcast host. She is a speaker. She's a consultant. And I would also say she is someone who has built amazing communities with retention, not only for her and her own business, but for a lot of really well-known personal brands. And I'll let her share those with you if she feels comfortable or keep it secret. But this is someone who is not speaking from, oh, this is what you should do. No, it's like, no, this is what we are doing. And this is what is working. So Shanna, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, friend. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to be here. And to help our audience get to know you, I would just love for them to say, like, get a, get a quick high level overview of like, what have the last 10 years looked like for you as you've been in this business and then in this industry of figuring out keys to building a community that stays and retaining and retention? Like, I would just love to know one, how did you get into it? And then what, what has it looked like over the last 10 years to get you to where you are today? That's such a great question. You know, it started actually when I was in college, I was a part of this honors program and you had to do a senior thesis for undergrad. And I had this amazing professor and she handed me this advertising age magazine that was talking about social media and online marketing. 
back in 2007. I was like, oh, this is really fascinating. And so I actually did my thesis and wrote a paper on online marketing in virtual reality communities. Back in the day, it was Second Life. There was no metaverse or anything like that. And that ended up in the paper, which got me on stages around the country to speak about it. And then I ended up with a job at Vanderbilt Medical Center in Nashville. And we took that medical center to be the very first medical center that had a social media policy. We launched online communities for their cancer center, Life Flight, all sorts of communities for them. And then it wasn't long after that, that I was supported by my wonderful chief marketing officer and really just had peace from God himself to go out and adventure and start my own consultancy. And that was in 2012 when I became a full-time consultant. And I started working with businesses, really traditional businesses, to take what they were doing offline with their brand and bring it online and merge those two communities and create consistency. And so that led into managing a lot of online communities as we built them and then ultimately starting my own online community. And then this guy in the industry, a lot of people know Stu McLaren, who is a membership expert, kind of tapped me on the shoulder and he said, hey, we'd really like to have a strategic mind to come help us be our director of community and take our community to the next level. So I worked with him for a few years and started teaching in-person workshops and got to train community teams and leaders for some of the best memberships in the space. And going back, you know, I look at all that and I'm like, wow, it's this combination of online marketing, which I believe a lot of what we do after the sale is actually just marketing as well and community building. But my own internal desire, because as a kid, I went through a lot of tragedy and I didn't have a community. My mom didn't have a community around us. We really didn't have community when we needed it. And so I truly believe that when people have a place, a community where they are fully known, that they show up more fully in the world. And it's just, it's something that we all have a core need for. And so it's developed into really teaching business owners to create those spaces for people so that we get the best of people and people have that place where they can show up fully as themselves. Oh, I love that so much. And I think that's even grown in its need since uh, the pandemic of people just naturally being isolated. And I don't think people have really acclimated back to real relationships, real community. And I think that's why one of, it's, it's not the only reason, but it's one of the big reasons I really wanted to have you on the show. It's let's stop treating people like customers and start treating them like people. And exactly. yeah, like it does. And, and realizing like you have community all around you. Do you see it? Right? Are you treating it like it? Yeah. And I think the thing that I love about merging retention and community is that when we build really strong retention systems, because I know people hear community and they think really fluffy and they think Facebook group, which is not what we're talking about by any means. But then I usually come in with systems and data. And they're like, whoa, wait a second. Like, I thought you were a community person. But having strong retention systems in your business, which are those systems that are everything after the sale. How do we help people actually get a result? How do we help people actually make progress? And how do we keep them on that customer journey with us beyond the initial sale? All of those systems, they shouldn't be automating things to alienate people. They should actually be creating space for human-to-human connection. And so when we're all afraid of AI and everything that's going to happen, I actually embrace it. I think it's wonderful because there's lots of things that it can do 
to create space for us to do the unscalable activities that really make a difference. Yeah. So let's talk about those. I want to talk about like what are the unscalable activities that sometimes don't get the necessary time, love, and attention that are needed that actually build community and retention. So what would you say are some of those things? Yeah. So back in the day, it was always handwritten notes. That's what I wanted to do. I loved it. I wrote handwritten notes to everybody and I still do, you know, send a lot of them. If you've been in my world, you probably have received one of those. (laughs) But now there's ways to kind of give that personal touch faster, but still in a way that is scalable. So we uh, recommend a lot of video messaging. There's different tools that you can use, like Bonjuro, for example, is one of those. Video Ask is another one where we can send personalized video messages to people just really short at different touch points in the journey. Now, when we can, we do actually want to customize those. We want to say, hi, Sally, I'm so excited. I see that you just joined XYZ program and you have this challenge, I can't wait to support you in that. It can be that simple. But even when we can't personalize everyone, we can still send a video message at a mass scale that feels more personal and more connected and opens up dialogue with those that are willing to enter into it. So that's like a simple example of how to do that. Another example is we've talked about your program before. So inside of your brand builders group, you have these mentors, these coaches that are supporting people at a much smaller scale. Now, people love group programs and creating creating them because they think, wow, I'm just going to continue to scale it and my profit margins are just going to continue to increase. But what they don't realize is that as the program grows, it gets harder and harder to get people results Mm -hmm. if you're only focused on systems and automations. And so when you take that scale and then you can leverage team members like coaches or mentors that can come in and create an intimate environment within a larger scale environment can create more customized, really guidance and direction. It's not customizing the content. It's just guiding them to the next best action step for them. That's one way that you can really scale that kind of connection, scale that kind of intimacy. And then one other way that I recommend a lot is with Zoom calls. Everybody's familiar with doing Zoom calls now. And if you aren't doing onboarding or welcome calls for new customers or new cohorts of people coming into your program, it's something that I highly recommend. But Zoom actually has a feature called Breakouts where we get to break them out into smaller groups so that they get to connect more with each other. Because it's not always just about connecting more with us. Mm, That's good. Especially when you have tons of people coming on of there is a limit to how much you can just do when it comes to one-on-one welcome and one-on-one onboarding without needing more human capital to constantly do that, which again, it's hard because like you need constantly, every new customer creates the need for another you know employee, but doing them in uh, breakouts, I have never thought about that. It's like, that's really important because then it's not so reliant on you and the company, but it's now it's building community within the community. Yeah. And that's what makes communities really sticky, right? It's There's a connection to you, which is often what builds the trust that gets them in. Then there's the connection to your team, which expands. It's you passing that torch of influence to your team members. And then there's the, the connection to each other. And that's actually what keeps people around. Because as your community grows it's going to feel not as powerful, not as close, that connection with you. And so it's really important that they're expanding their connection to others within the communities that they remain sticky. 
I love that so much. And that should be a relief to everyone who is listening of going, it doesn't have to be all you, right? It's like you're building a community that should build community. And then it's, it takes the pressure off, right? It's like, because I believe at least for all of the businesses that I know, it's like no one wants it to be just about them. It's like they want it to go beyond just my face, my name. But the only way you can do that is if you have systems and processes and people, right? You have to have a community that can do that without you. Uh, And I love that so much, that whole group onboarding concept. I literally just wrote it down. I was like, note for team, note for BPG. (laughs) This is a a really important thing because you still want to have those human touch points. And so you said two things I think are really important that I'd like to go back and touch on really quickly for everyone. Where do you see the need for that human outreach, that human connection, as you look at the life cycle of a person, you know, I'll just call them a customer. Like, where do you actually need that human time versus automation? Yeah, it, I think a lot of people immediately think about things like losing a customer, cancellation process. That's uh-huh. where we want to try to get them on a call and save them. And at that point, you've already lost them. <laughs> if you've ever tried to do those cancellation calls, which, you know, I'm not against offering them. But if you've ever tried to do them, your recovery rate probably isn't that great. And so my encouragement is that we go way back in that member journey or that customer buyer journey. And the first 45 days is absolutely the most essential time for anybody in your community. I've worked with a lot of large-scale memberships. And when we look at their cohort retention, which isn't their overall month-to-month retention, but it's of a particular cohort, what percentage of those people are we keeping into month two, into month three, into month four? What that identifies for us are our drop-off points. And for 90% of communities, it's in that first month. That's where you lose people. Yeah. So isn't it? And it's the easiest thing to really systemize is the onboarding. And so we do recommend to have things like action plan calls, which are those group calls where you walk them through maybe three key steps that then they go into breakout groups to work on. We also recommend, you know, having those personalized video messages. There's a community leader that I work with that has 14,000 members. She has scaled her team in order to do small groups of four, four members and one coach on an onboarding call. And they get, I think, four offerings of those in their first 90 days of of membership. So those first 45 days are really important because people have bought into whatever you have sold them. And then immediately they have buyer's remorse. They're distracted by whatever the latest Netflix series is. And so our job of selling actually doesn't stop. It only increases because now we're actually hitting their pocketbook So all of the things that we had them buy into before, we need to be re-solidifying for them. And now they also need to feel acclimated to this culture. Hopefully we have a strong culture in our community. So we have to really get into, there's four pillars of community that I teach to build on. And the first one is cause. So we really have to solidify why are you here and not just why does this community exist, but why is this important for you? And then building the culture, which are the beliefs, the behaviors, and boundaries that help you fit within this community. And when people have those, they feel like I know how to show up and they're more likely to engage. So if we can really make sure that we're focused on those first 45 days, that is the most important thing to focus on. And then our next goal is how do we identify people who are no longer engaging with us? How do we identify people who maybe bought our book and never 
took the next step to do our mini course or whatever that next step is? How do we identify people who maybe participated in the first couple calls, but we haven't seen them in 30 days? And then that is the other place where human connection can really be valuable because anything automated is just easy for them to ignore at that point. I mean, my mind is reeling already with ideas of programs that I pay to be a part of, our program of going, oh, I see how that was really helpful, or I see how that was really annoying, even though I know what they're trying to do. And I think one of those things that you said is if somebody is requesting a cancellation, trying to get them on a call, it's like you've already lost them and the save ratio is going to be relatively low. So I have two questions, one around onboarding and one around this cancellation process. So I'm going to start with the cancellation first, because I feel like people struggle with that. And they're like, nope, I'm going to make them get on call on me and I'm going to turn them around. So in the, I guess, instead of me asking, I'm just like, what would you see is successful when it comes to once someone requests to cancel, what is the best opportunity to go? How can we turn this around without forcing or mandating a call and any insights for anyone listening? Like, Hey, well, what do I do when someone says, Hey, I want to cancel, but I don't want them to cancel. What do I do? So a lot of this comes down to your cancellation process. And for some of my clients, they use my recommended cancellation process, which can make it hard to track saves. And here's why, because we treat the cancellation page like a sales page Hmm. and we have a cancel video. So when they request to cancel or when they are, you know, looking into canceling, they're going to be taken to a page that has a video on it. And that page is going to be really getting them to think introspectively about why they're leaving. And we say a few things. One is like, hey, if you've made the progress that you've came to make and you're leaving, you're graduating. That's amazing. We want to celebrate you graduating and we can't wait for you to share your story with us, your testimony with us when you you know, submit the form below. But hey, if you're leaving because you have stopped participating, you've given up on yourself, I just want to give you permission to come back now. You can click the button on this page and you can schedule a quick start call and we will get right back in it with you and find the best place for you to get started, you know, or if you're leaving because this isn't a fit for you, maybe you're not interested in doing X, Y, Z anymore. So we kind of walk through like the different reasons that we know people typically leave starting with the celebratory one, right? And then the, oh, I've given up on myself one. And then the, no, this just really isn't a fit for me anymore. So we resell them essentially on the value by relating to where they might be in the journey. And then when they go to cancel, now legally, because of all the way all the states and things like that are done, I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. However, I've done a lot of research on this. So I've worked with a lot of lawyers on this. We can't require anything other than their email address to cancel. It has to be an easy way for them to cancel, but we can ask for it. So we can have two buttons on a page, one that says click here to cancel and the or proceed with cancellation. And the other one that says, you know, schedule a call with a team member, schedule my quick start call or access the quick start guide if maybe you're somebody who doesn't have the capacity for calls. And that's the like re-onboarding of an existing member. If you have a member that got stuck, they fell off the wagon a bit, how can we quickly get them a quick win, right? In the next 10 days. And so when they click that form, 
that all they have to do is enter their email address, but we ask them some other questions as well to get some insight. And we also offer them a call. Hey, if you would like to share more about your experience, or if you just like to get some additional support to see if maybe this could be a fit for you, then you can schedule a call with a team member. Very few people actually schedule them. And those that get on those calls are usually people who are leaving because of self-doubt and they kind of come on the call with that kind of mindset and you are able to recover them. Yeah, I think that's really good because I think for anyone who would request a call, they're going, man, it's not that I really want to cancel. It's I'm not using it. I feel like I'm not getting my money's worth. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not confident that I can do it. And those are people that you want to help and support versus it's like, no, I just don't want to be here anymore. Exactly. And you don't want to waste team time on the people who have already made their minds up. And I think when we force people to go through a cancellation call, it's actually, I always talk about this impact and effort matrix. So is it higher, low impact, higher, low effort? It's a high effort activity with a low impact. Because even if you can convince somebody who's already said they're going to leave to stay, how many more months are they going to stay? Yeah. Probably not for very long. Exactly. uh, Not a great taste in their mouth about why I'm even here in the first right. place. I think oftentimes business owners are afraid of letting the wrong customers go. Mm-hmm. And I have a client who is a, her membership is for teachers, English language arts teachers. And she has like three, 4,000 members. And she was telling me she was really disappointed because we had got our retention up really high to like 98%. And she's like, I'm so bummed. My retention was like 97 or 96%. And Uh, We just stepped back and I said, well, let's look at the data. Let's look at your retention of the right people Mm. only. And so we removed anybody who switched careers, anybody who was retiring, anybody who changed grade levels, basically anybody who they shouldn't be paying for her membership anymore because it is no longer a fit. And her retention rate was right up there at 98, 99%. And so there's some things that we really can't control. But I think if we get really clear on who are the best customers, who are the kind of people that we want, who are the people that are going to stay for a while in our current product and are most likely to ascend to our future product, and how do we attract more of those customers? And then how do we craft an amazing journey for those people versus trying to always give grease to the squeakiest wheel, which is oftentimes people who are at the low end of satisfaction. And if somebody is a two or a three on the satisfaction scale of one to 10, you're maybe going to get them to a five and they may stick around a little bit longer. But if you put that energy and effort to take your sevens and eights and turn those people into nines and tens that are referral partners, they're raving about everything that you do. They tell everybody about your book. They tell everybody about your program. And if you ever release anything again, Lord willing, they're going to buy it. You know, if they have the money for it, then that's the best effort, right? Is moving those sevens and eights up to nines and tens. Amen. Hi, it's AJ Vaden. And thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. We're talking about.
about like putting the time where your time should be spent versus making every single person who doesn't want to talk to you in the first place, get on a call. Cause that's also defeating for your team. Right. right? Cause it's like, Oh no, I'm just talk to all the grumpy people, right? That's all yeah. talk to the grumpy people. So another question that I have on that, and then I'm going to go to onboarding because I love that. It's like, if you do that better, uh, it fixes so many problems down the road. It's like going upstream, right? You got to go upstream. You got to fix a problem upstream and then everything downstream works better. And I love that approach. How should you, when you're thinking about, and this is digital specifically, but how easy do you make it for someone to just cancel online in terms of like, where do you create that access point, right? And this is something that comes up in our conversations a lot. And I hear a lot of people in our audience going, well, I don't want to just put it on the website. I don't want to just put it in my LMS, cancel here. So what's the most transparent, but customer centric, but also business savvy way of going, I'm not just like serving it to you on a silver platter. And at the same time, I do want it to be easy and not a hassle to cancel because nobody likes that. Yeah, there's a couple of things here. One, like from a legal perspective, we are required to actually put how to cancel in that initial email that goes out to them, either in the invoice or in the welcome email. That's a new requirement that's out. But I have a a podcast episode that's basically called Stop Hiding Your Cancel Button. Uh And the reason is, is because people think it's going to deter people from canceling, but all it does is piss them off. And by the time they get to your customer support email, they're really annoyed. They are not happy. And so I think if you're trying to hide your cancel button, there's one of two problems here that are fixable. One is you really don't have a great product. You're losing so many people that you're like, gosh, we don't want our cancel cancel button there because we'll have so many people cancel. Well, then we need to improve the product so that people want to stay, improve the community so that people want to be here, right? That's the same thing with people. I don't want to email my members because, and I've had clients tell me this, well, you know, we have members that just pay month after month and never log on, log in. We actually don't want to reach out to them because we know we'll have a bunch of them cancel. So it's that same sort of mentality. And then the the second thing that we can solve that we've already talked about is that cancellation process. So when they do find that link, when you do have, you know, how to cancel or whatever it might be in your FAQ or on your support page, and they click that, it's not just click here and we'll cancel your account. It is that sales process. It is the sales video, you know, watch this before you cancel. Your account has not been canceled yet. And then the two opportunities, the opportunity to get on a call or to access some type of quick start guide or quick start series. And then, you know, the opportunity to proceed with cancellation. And one of my clients, I I love her for it. She took this concept And she actually rewrote all of it to make it a graduation process. So her cancel page is a graduation page. And she's just like, if you're here, you have accomplished all of these things. And that's kind of how she frames it up so that it it doesn't people, she doesn't want people to feel, I mean, she's a life coach, so she doesn't want people to feel shame about making the decision to leave. And I, I think if we look at it as we are not making that decision for them. We're simply trying to guide them to the best decision for them. And if that is to cancel, we're perfectly okay with that because we have an abundance mentality, meaning when we continue to serve people well, and we continue to show up and help people get results who are willing to do the work and get the results, then we know we're going to get more customers. We know our program's going to grow. That's so good. I think one of the things that like resonated with me as you're talking about that is just 
I was literally, I'm not, I'm not going to share the platform name. So I was about to say, and I'm like, should I not say that? But we are a subscriber to a certain platform that I have been trying to change one piece of our membership with. I spent an hour on the site yesterday trying to figure out how on God's green earth do I do this? I clicked on every single button. I went to the tutorial document. I went here and it was finally, I got to five pages in at the very bottom. You can add, you cannot cancel. You can only add to your program. You cannot downsize, you cannot cancel. And I'm going, what do I have to do here? And then the only hours that I can talk to someone are between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. That was it. Or I could do it. I could uh, click this email address. And then they said, we'll get back due to high volume. We'll get back to your email in four to five days. Uh, what? You're like, now I don't want to downgrade. Now I just want to be done. That is how I felt. I'm like, I have wasted so much time. I am so frustrated. And now I've wasted an hour. And now you're telling me I have to email you and wait a week to hear from you. I'm so annoyed. And it's like, back to nobody wants to just talk to grumpy people all day. Well, then don't make them grumpy. Right. Exactly. And and science will tell us, there's a couple of books that talk about it, but science will tell us that we will remember the end of an experience way more than anything that happens in the middle, right? It's these power moments is the book. It's really great. But the end of the experience is something that we will always remember. You know, you might be in a relationship with a guy that can think about my own relationships in the past (laughs) where the relationship is really great for a year, but it ended really bad. And so my perception of that person is the really bad breakup. It's not the year that we had a really great relationship. And it's the same way with our programs. People can make progress with us and they can just enter a different season of life. And we have such a terrible cancellation process that their satisfaction, they probably still would have referred you. It just wasn't for them. But now, now Mm -hmm. we've created such a difficult process that they have a negative taste in their mouth every single time that they think about us. And that's going to be the memory that they take with them. And nobody wants that. No. Right. So that brings us back to starting with the beginning. What would you say for customer experience, membership retention, just call it client retention. What should you be doing? Doesn't matter. And I try try to think of this like universally in the first 40 days of anyone being a new client, being onboarded into your products or services, could be coaching, could be a membership, could be I'm hiring a financial advisor or I'm, you know, doing whatever. What should an ideal first 45 days look like for a new client? Yeah, there are so many touch points. It would take me longer than an entire episode (laughs) to share. But I think the important thing is less about the tactics of what you're going to be doing. And this, it gets me with community engagement as well. People are like, just tell me the post to do. I'm like, if you don't have a strategy and you don't have a culture, the post doesn't matter. It's the same way with onboarding. I mean, should you have onboarding emails? Yes. Should you have onboarding videos inside of your you know, members area or hub? Yes. Should you ideally have some type of live touch point with them, whether it's you or a team member hosting a call? Yes. Should, if you have a community platform, should you have a separate onboarding that gets them to comment in there right away? Yeah. All of those things you should have. But what is the purpose? What is the goal? What content should be going in there? And at the end of your orientation process, what we really want is we want people to believe three things. They need to know, like, be in a state of three things being true for them. One is, is that I believe this is possible for me. 
Mm. Not just, I believe this is possible because that's for everybody else. And oftentimes when people join our program, they're like, oh, all these other people have gotten results. I can join. And then they quickly go, but ah, I don't think I can do it. So we have to build the belief that this is possible for them. It's less about click here, submit that. Those things are important and valuable. Here, download your calendar. But it's the mindset stuff that's going to get them to quit and give up on themselves. So I believe this is possible for me, right? That's so good. Yeah. And and then is I'm in the right place. Mm. So this is the person that can lead me. This is the program that I need. These are the kind of people that I want to hang out with, right? Which means that that sales page that you sold them on or that sales call that they didn't pay a ton of attention to, right? There was probably one thing on that sales page or one thing on that sales call that got them to buy or just your book looked really pretty on the stand. I don't know what it was that got them to buy. (laughs) But we have to like resell them on the value of the program and really highlight the key deliverables that they're going to be getting inside of the onboarding. We can't assume that they know what they bought, right? We can't assume that they know what they bought. And not only that, but there's probably a new identity that they need to start developing in order to fit into this culture. And we want to start reshaping that because I can imagine instead of brand builders, for example, like you really have to squash imposter syndrome and all of these other things. And it's not like we pretend like these things don't exist, but we are working to develop a new identity. We're going to start now. Now you are a brand builder. And this is what a brand builder is. This is how a brand builder thinks. This is what a brand builder does. And so you start to help them develop that identity. So now they know, like, I want to follow this person. They have a path for me that I know works and I know can work for me. And these are the kind of people, these brand builders, these are the kind of people that I want to be around because they're going to make me a better person, right? And then the third thing that they need is to know their next right step. Mm. And this is the thing we miss. People can have a really great onboarding and then it just ends. And it's like, and we're unlocking a vault of all of our best content. Here you go. And we have the technology now, which is why I love technology and automation. We have technology now to help people identify their best next step. Now, for some of you, they're going to complete onboarding. And then that best next step can be now take this assessment. And based on this assessment, we're going to determine what your stage, what stage you're in of this customer journey or this whatever brand building journey that you've seen, once we identify the stage, we're going to point you to your best next step. Or, you know, yeah, you're going to hop on this call and on the action plan call, we're going to talk through the four different pathways and then that's going to help you identify your best next step. But we always have to be giving people clarity about that. So there's this progress will principle that I teach and it's all about like having a clear purpose having a clear step, taking action on that, and then being able to recognize the progress I made and see that celebrated. And now I have to connect that to the next step because we lose that momentum with people when we do all the things, right? We tell them what to do. They take action. They get a result. We celebrate that progress. And then they just like disappear into the abyss. We're like, well, they were making such great progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you didn't tell them what to do next. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what their next step was. And the majority of people really don't want the choose your own adventure. The majority of people just want you to tell them what to do. And so that's the piece that we need to be very clear about. When they're done with that onboarding, they need to go like, I believe this is possible for me, right? I know my best next step and I am in the right place. Oh, that is so good. Such wise, sage advice. I think one of the things in the education industry, which is what I'm just going to call the information education industry, is 
it's just simply so much. Yeah. There's so much content. There's so much information. And it's like, I don't want to have to filter through all this. It's like, it's like how I feel when I go to like TJ Maxx. I'm like, I don't know where to go. It's like, can you somebody just point me to this right aisle or this right rack or like going to Costco? It's like, uh, it's everything. It's like, I don't want everything. I just need to know what I need to know. Can somebody please show me where to go? And And if we think about how people are consuming content right now, Spotify gives me recommended playlists based on what I've listened to. Netflix. I was at a dear friend of mine's house the other night and she was talking to me. She's Korean by heritage. And she's talking to me about these really great Korean shows on Netflix. I'm like, I have never seen a Korean. She's like, no, there's like a whole, she went on Netflix and it was like made in Korea was one of her like playlist titles in Netflix. And she's like, it's right there. Just go to the made in Korea section. I'm like, I don't have a made in Korea section on my Netflix. I am so sorry. And it was just funny because she thought like this was for everybody, but it was so personalized and customized for her. And I think we're growing to expect that kind of experience. And I think that's good and healthy. And I would say it feels impossible until you start adding in automation and AI and all the things that allow you to be more efficient uh, with what you do with your community. Okay. So I know that we're approaching time. This is flown by. I cannot believe that we have been talking for almost 45 minutes. I feel like I have a thousand more questions that I'm not going to have time to ask, but I have two more if we can crush through these. So because you've done this for so long and for so many people of memberships of all kinds of sizes, small, massive. What would you say, knowing what you know, after a decade of living, breathing and creating this, and that's what I love about you. It's like you teach this, you create this, like you're a content creator for community builders. And so you are process driven and data driven, and you are implementing these things. That's what I love about you so much. What would you say to the person who is listening, who is going, What's my next best step? Yeah, there's two key elements that you have to have. And this is what makes the difference for people. So people who come to me and say, oh, I have this Facebook group and there's 300 people in there, but they're never talking. Can you tell me what to post? You know, that's always the question Mm -hmm. that comes. There's four key elements to a thriving community, but the first two are the ones that most people just breeze right through. And that first one is cause. You have to have a very clear purpose. You know, if we think about the difference in a community, a a group of people interested in horses versus a group of people that believe that the Tennessee walking horse is a travesty and they need to save the Tennessee walking horse, which one is going to have more impact? Which one's going to be more sticky? It's the one that's more clear on that purpose. Why do we exist and why are we unique with everybody else that's teaching you how to do X, Y, Z? What's unique about our community? And then the second piece is that culture. And if if you skip these things, which most people do, right? They write their customer avatar on a sentence in a blank on a PDF that somebody gave them one time and they think they're done. But if you can really get clear on the culture, the beliefs, the behaviors, and the boundaries, what do we believe to be true about us, about our people, about our industry, about the world? Because we believe these things, what behaviors do we expect? What do we model as a group? And then the boundaries are the things that we are not going to allow. And if you really spend time with that and you listen to your community and you listen and you listen some more and you use their own language, 
everything else that you do, every post that you write, every email that you write is going to be so much stronger. So I highly, highly recommend starting with those two. Go back to those two foundations because even if your community has been successful and it's been around for a, a long time, communities will morph and change as the community members change. Oh, that's so good. And it's a good reminder for all internal team members too. It's like if they're constantly talking about it, it's almost becomes like internalized in this way of going, no, it's like, I talk about this with everyone. I remind myself of this every day. I love that. That's so good. And then my last question would be, what would you say is the number one thing that you see that community, I'll just say curators could be doing better that you haven't already mentioned today? Like, what is that one thing? It's like, I see this all the time. And if they just did this blank thing, I know it would change a lot. Gosh, that is such a great question. I think the biggest thing is creating space for your community to show up and contribute. Hmm. Because what happens in communities a lot is that the community gets silenced because the expert is always the first to chime in. And then what happens is, is as the community scales, the expert comes to me because they're burnt out and exhausted and their community can't run without them and their community manager can't do, nobody listens to them, you know, and, and it's not really a community. It's just an audience at that point. Mm -hmm. And so if we can create space, create a gap so that our community members can support each other, right? And then when they do that, we feed that with praise. So if there's a a post in your community forum and one of your community members gives an 80% good enough answer, maybe not the answer you would give, which is always the hardest, but 80% good enough, instead of coming behind them and giving your 100% good enough answer, you praise that community member. Sally, thank you so much for taking the time to respond to Joe. That is an amazing answer. That's exactly what I would have said. You rocked it. Oh, by the way, here's a link to a podcast or whatever that talks even more about what Sally, you know, what Sally was talking about. Like, you're awesome. And we just continue to validate mm-hmm. what we want to see more of, which is our community supporting each other. But they won't do it if we don't create the space for it. You know what? That is so good in life, in business. And uh, since I know you have kids as moms, as parents, it's like reward the behavior that you want to see more of. Exactly. That means they have to feel confident and empowered and appreciated. And those are things that we can do. And then they feel like they belong and then they want to stay. Exactly. Uh, Simple, not easy. Love this conversation. And I will just throw this out there for everyone. I could go on for another hour at minimum, um, just on the few questions that I have that we didn't get to today. But I know that Shanna has all kinds of resources out there. So even though we didn't get to cover them today, she has them available to you. So here's two places that I want to encourage you to go and check out to connect with Shanna and all that she is teaching and doing with all of her community building. The first one is her podcast, the Community Creators Podcast. You can go to communitycreatorspodcast.com or listen to it on your favorite listening tool. But then also she has created an amazing free library of content and resources. So go to communitycreatorshub.com communitycreatorshub.com to access all types of free resources. And then Shanna, if people just want to connect with you, uh, what would you say is your preferred platform to connect with people? 
Definitely Instagram. So Shanna Speaks, S-H-A-N-A Speaks. You can just send me a voice message on there or a little note in the DMs and I'd love to chat. Brilliance. This episode has been nothing shy of absolute genius and brilliance. I am so honored that you came on the show. I'm so happy to get to have you in my life. And also for those of you listening, she's also local to Nashville. So I always love having fellow Nashvillians on the show. So Shanna, thank you so much. This has been so insightful and so helpful. And to everyone else who is listening, if you want to catch the recap episode, stay tuned for that. And if not, Uh, We will catch you next time on The Influential Personal Brand. We'll see you later. That's all we've got for this episode of The Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 